0: And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program.
1: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
0: And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Hey, what's up, my friends? Today's episode, I'm joined by guest and friend, John Sarasani. John is a former Notre Dame football player who worked in corporate America until he decided to chase his own dreams. John's story is not that much different than many people's stories in that he found himself stuck, lost, and continually doing the same thing over and over again, knowing that he could do it better if he invested in himself, if he took a risk, and if he saw what might happen. John is also the host of the 2000% Raise podcast, which I've been lucky enough to be a guest on in the past. In this conversation, John and I are going to go deep, talking about what it really means to step into the journey of creating change in your life when you know that you have to when you that know that you must and most importantly when you know and feel in your heart that you have some way inside of you to serve the world and yourself at a higher purpose today not only is john the host of the 2000 percent raise podcast but he is also a venture capitalist and entrepreneur and to be honest i've learned a ton from john over the last few months he has an incredible Instagram page that I highly recommend that you check out, and the Two Thousand Percent Race podcast is phenomenal, especially if you're trying to learn or understand business in a deeper way. Now, obviously, on Think Unbroken, we tend to stay in the mental health space, but I wanted John on this to have this conversation with me because I think it's really important for people to understand the possibility of betting on yourself. So I'm very excited for this episode, and without any further ado, my friends. John Sarasani. Hey, what's up Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well, wherever you are in the world today. Very excited to be back with you with another episode with my guest and friend, John Sarasani. John, my man, what is happening in your world
3: today? Happy to be here, my friend. I've been looking forward to this all week and uh, here
0: we are, it's upon us. Yeah, dude, I've been pumped. You and I connected through uh, a mutual, amazing friend. In David Meltzer, who for me, and I would assume for you is a a bit of a mentor and a a mensch as we were talking about before the show. Uh, But before we dive into all this, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today.
3: You got it. You got it, man. I grew up in a suburban Chicago, Uh, was a good football player, ended up playing college football at uh, University of Notre Dame, played tight end there finished my career at Northwestern University and uh, injury promo- um, stopped me from moving on to play in the NFL. So I was able to transfer my energy into white collar America and all that competitive spirit from my football days, I um, transitioned into uh, doing well in a competitive environment in sales. Um, got into the insurance industry, started to prosper and then a white bulb went off around about year six in that industry. Hey man, I could do this on my own. I don't need to be working here to do this. I'm gonna go start my own company and compete with the likes of my employers. And uh, I did just that. Um, started it from my kitchen table, went after the same accounts that the big publicly treated companies were going after, people that have been established in the industry for years, and uh and I and I prospered. I won. I won more than I lost. And Got the attention of a private equity firm that bought my company less than ten years later, and uh, you know the rest is kind of history. I was able to sail off into the sunset and came really from a middle class background and um, you know really changed you know my family's uh, lineage from a financial perspective for for the you know following generations as as a result of the story I just told you. Um, Michael, I tried I tried, tried to retire, my friend. And uh, do nothing. What I decided was, I definitely wasn't going to be going back into insurance. I knew that much, but um, you know, we only got one life to live. So I decided I'm going to be a venture capitalist. Though I always have kind of dabbled with angel investing and um, you know, just unique alternative investments like bars or restaurants, or i invested in a musical. A and um, you know, hey, why, why not? Uh, why not bring some capital? to um to that community yeah. that needs it and uh also some advisement as well decided i'm going to found Gwen crutch wowo, which is my uh, early stage capital firm and our Are thesis you? is simple <laughs> if i think it's cool or interesting uh, i have having... a lot on uh, me partnering with you if, if i think it's boring or dull, <laughs> hey man insurance was lucrative for me dude but uh not the most exciting dinner conversation. So this next chapter of my life, I really want to get into things that are that are fun, and I've been doing that for a few years now. And uh, I, I could tell you, I've I've accomplished I've accomplished that part of it. Now whether these investments pay off or not, Michael, uh, uh, that's to be determined because we are early stage. It takes a while to, for them to come to fruition. But I'm definitely involved in some cool that that is for sure.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, dude. And, you know, I think about anything that we invest in, I mean, the, the ROI on experience alone is typically worth it. Right. I, you know, it's funny because we get so caught up in, in the money side of what it means to become the people that we're supposed to be. And much like you, what's really interesting, man, is I, I landed a job with a fortune 10 insurance company at 20 years old. Wow. And, and by the time that I was 26, I had made almost a million bucks. 50 grand in debt, 350 pounds. Like I've I've said it ad nauseum on this show, but one of the things that I I realized is I was driven to money for the wrong reasons. Like I had this idea and this notion like, oh yeah, when I get financial success, everything will be better. And then I actually learned like, that's not how life works. Money only tends to bring out more of who you are in the time that you are that. And so what I'm curious about is now that you're you're pivoting and you're looking at impacting the world for better, and, and I want to start here because I think it's important. I think a lot of people have a, a really misconstrued relationship with money, right? We look at it and we say, oh, I don't have enough or I can't get enough or this or that. But you were able to sell a company. Yep. I would have to imagine that your relationship with money changed from I'm going to do this on my own from my kitchen table making zero dollars because that's where all entrepreneurs start to selling it. And I'd love for you to talk about that journey, especially with losing out on the NFL. I don't want to use losing out, but you know what I mean?
3: Right, right. Well, it was an interesting time, man. It was an interesting time because I was definitely you know, and I'm not just saying this. Anybody that played with me or or followed my career closely back then would would know that I was good enough to play in the NFL. An injury just stopped me from doing it. I wasn't going to be, you know, Peyton Manning or something, but I definitely would have been like a fourth or fifth round draft pick and definitely would have bounced around in the league for a couple years. So, you know, during this time while I was working in insurance, you know, I worked at a company called Arthur J. Gallagher, which is an insurance giant, big, they're based out of Chicago, but they're an international company. And I'm learning the trade and my career starting to blossom, but every Sunday I'm watching TV and I'm seeing guys that I played against or guys that I played with, um, that I was just as good as, uh, you know, getting that fame playing on the Cowboys or the bears or the, you know, whomever. Um, and, and for a little part of me, ah, man, I should, I should have just played and ignored this injury and, you know, but it ended up being a huge blessing in disguise, Michael, because, by the time we were 30, nobody was playing football anymore. Now, now, granted, I played against Tom Brady, actually. We're about the same age. We, he played at Michigan when I was at Northwestern. We played against each other. He's still playing. So that, that's the anomaly, right? But, but, but for the most part, and, and the category I would have been in for almost certainly, is by the time you're 30, your career is over. <laughs> you ain't playing anymore. So, so, you know, what was I doing when I was 30? I was two years into this company I was building. I was two years into this empire I was building, whereas a lot of my friends were getting entry level jobs entering the real world now yeah, some of them had a million dollar nest egg behind it because they were able to be smart enough to save some money in the NFL, but a lot of them didn't a lot of them barely you know were able to scrap anything together so so from that regard, you know um the NFL part of your question is yeah it, it, it was almost a paradigm shift man and and I you know, it ended up really being a blessing, and and um, you know that that's just the way it was. It wasn't until I was forty that I started kind of <laughs> wishing I played again. You know what I mean? <laughs> get that midlife crisis. Um, but but at the at the time, I kind of knew it for what it was, and uh, you know, I guess another thing with the NFL, man, these guys. I, I had a friend of mine played on the Rams, but those contracts suck. You get caught, you're off the team, you're an injured reserve. He had to work construction jobs in the off season to pay the bills. He didn't know what team he was going to be on, and he was a good football player, man. That is, you talk about a competitive industry. I mean, that that that's as competitive as it gets, bro. Um. So, so I talked earlier about uh, you know transferring that energy to to my career, and I continued to do that once once I started my company and the you know it really just kept hockey sticking you know almost immediately and and ju- and just kept going up and i really had no intention of ever selling the company michael um it was you know it was just doing great and um you know private equity got into that space and really changed the game had private equity not entered that insurance space i probably never would have sold it um it did put me in a position though to you know reevaluate what we're here on this planet for. Hey man, listen, (laughs) they're going to pay you what it's going to take you about the next 15 years to make with this private equity firm coming in. You, man, you don't got to work the 15 years. (laughs) So you're going to be set for life here. You don't have to do, um, okay, well, what am I going to do with my life then? And, um, it was that reevaluation that, uh, I think really was a pivotal time for me my friend
0: When, when you have that, you know, I I think, and I look back, I'm, I'm at this company, I'm 26 Mm -hmm. on paper. Life looks amazing. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm clearing an ungodly amount of money for a kid from the hood with no education. Right. Right. And it's like, looks good, dude. Cars, dope. Clothes are dope. Life is, but in reality, like my life is a disaster. And and I had this pivotal moment where I had to make a decision. Where I was like, okay, what do you really want? Who do you really want to be? And what are you willing to do to get there? And and I think that a lot of that for me came in this space of recognizing what you just said is like life is short. Yeah. Like there is a timeline on this, and and there is something about the risk that we take that I believe is the cornerstone to our life transforming. And so I'm in this job, I'm making this money. I'm looking at my life and I'm in debt at this point. And I, I was like, you know what? I hate my life. I hate wearing khakis to work every day. This is nonsense. This is not who I am. Sure. And I hate watercolor talk and being nice to people for no reason. Not that you shouldn't be nice to people, but you know, watercolor talk. I'm like, I can't stand this. Right. And so I quit. And a woman and I started my first legal business. Let's be clear. Mm. It was legal at this time. And so what happened was it took me from struggling, not making any money to, I actually paid off that debt within three years. Cause I was like, I'm gonna take the risk. I'm going to see what happens. And so I'm wondering when you're in this position of, you're working at this insurance company, you realize you have the light bulb moment and you decide to take the risk, why? Because so many people, they're like, man, I know I can do this better. I know I can create this. I know I can have this life. But they're terrified to do the thing. So what transpired for you, John, where you're like, you no, know I'm going to do this. I'm going to yeah. see what happens.
3: Yeah. Well, what was interesting was, you know, you you get brainwashed, I believe, in corporate America. And, and you start drinking the Kool-Aid and you keep drinking it and and you look for outlets, okay, of wait a minute, this don't seem right, but the only people you have to ask or to reflect on this with are other people that have been drinking the same Kool-Aid as you. And when you're 25, you got 40-year-olds next to you or 50-year-olds next to you that have been drinking it longer than you. So, ah, yeah, should we just like, we can do this on our own, should we go start our own company? No, you'll never get any clients, there. Ah. Mm-hmm. Well, they have to give you that advice, because if they didn't, they'd be admitting that they screw it up. Oh, you know what, John? Yeah, you know what? You should go quit this job that I've been at for 20 years, and you should go make triple what I make, because I'm a dumb and I'm scared to do it. No, like, even if they, you know, even if they were a nice enough person to tell you that, they don't see it that way. It's not like they're holding back because they want, hey, screw you. I don't want, it's not an ego thing. They literally don't. See it that way. So I would start peeling back the onion. Wait a minute, guys. Wait a minute. Uh, I don't even hand off half the I do to the account management team because I know they're not going to do it as well as I do. They're not responding to emails for two days because they're taking two hour freaking lunches when I'm replying at 9 p.m. on a Friday night. Uh, I'm going to visit clients in person, driving two hours. They're looking for every reason in the world they can to let's make it a phone conference because we didn't do Zoom back then, right? And, and I'm just thinking to myself, you know what? Why am I adapting to this environment that's going to bring my standard down? Mm. So I got all these people around me trying to convince me, no, man, the client's going to want this company. We've been in business for 100 years. we got 20,000 employees. You know, that yeah, yeah, no client's going to work with you. You'd have to go downstream and maybe work with, like, tiny little employers, like maybe hair salons. No, man, I'm going to work with the same clients, okay, that I'm working with. There. Well, they'll never work with you. Why? It's about the client deliverable. The client deliverable that they're getting right now with me working here, <laughs> 19,999 of these employees on my team don't do on your account, okay? And guess what? They don't have a hundred years of experience. They have six years of experience. That's me. None of it. So, so if, if I could leave and get clients to see it that way, okay. I'm going to be able to bring a better deliverable to the client. You know why? Because in this environment, in corporate America, they're incenting me with money. They're incenting me with commission. I got to just put more and more volume stretch myself. Okay. Maybe I'm going to make a quarter million dollars one. Yeah, let's go. I would have had to stretch myself with so many clients to get there that innately they're going to get a version of John as a result of that. And I would have to scale because of that environment that's been created in corporate America. I would have to scale and give them some of these deliverables to someone that's not going to do it as well as me. So why don't I go start my own company? I could replace that 250 grand I was making there just by having a fraction of those clients. You follow me? And then as I do scale, which I eventually did, there's going to be quality control components on the way there, that person going for a two hour launch or that person, you know, that gets an email at 6 PM on Thursday and then replies at 11 AM Monday to a client, letting them know that they're looking into it. Yeah. That person ain't going to work for me. Okay you know what i mean so 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 i found a way that i could have a huge financial gain for myself and give a better service to the client and you know what's crazy about it man the two things will go hand in freaking hand <laughs> you know what i mean the client if the client see it this way it, you know i i will be rewarded so um you know that that's the way it went down man and uh you know it it, it worked out it was uh it's hard getting those first few in but but once we got rolling we got rolling
0: Yeah. And, and it's always difficult at the beginning because I think people believe that when they go and create something that suddenly it'll just work and it nothing ever works. So like I think about this podcast, for instance, you know, we're, we're over 500 shows. We've interviewed some of the greatest minds on planet earth. We've been able to build giant conferences and events with thousands of people. We've coached thousands of people in our community coaching programs, Mm -hmm. all of those things, but man, I'll tell you what, at the beginning,
3: nobody listened, (laughs) you know,
0: the, the first month I'll never forget this. The first month we did 19 downloads for the whole month, the first month, 19 downloads, 12 of those were for sure me, Mm -hmm. right? listening cue it, did it good was that good did i was the audio yeah. suck did i say the wrong thing blah, blah blah and and today i mean we'll do a million downloads this year wow That's and incredible. and so and so much of it is perseverance it's yeah. being persistent it's following your dream because john i guarantee i do not even have to know exactly what happened and i can look at this story i go there were people who told you not to do this oh yeah oh yeah for sure and the reality is there always are going to be people who tell you do not follow your dream. Mm-hmm. Don't do that thing. How do you do it anyway, John? Cause there are people right now and they're like, man, I got this dream, not even about entrepreneurship or money, but you know, I want to go do a dance class or I want to go do jujitsu or Muay Thai. And they're just like terrified to just follow the thing that are, is going to bring them joy. Like, yeah. How do you do it yeah. anyway, John?
3: Yeah. Well, for me, from a business standpoint, I, I had, it was a calculated risk cause I was really able to learn the industry and look everything, look through everything inside and out, inside and out. And you know, even though people were telling me I'm crazy, uh, I was able to do freaking math. Hey, guess what? I didn't need every single client. I didn't need every client to say yes. I needed about a third of them to say yes. I, I don't need to sell as much as I did over there to make this thing work. And, and, uh, you know, and, and that, and that, and that it did. But, but really what I what I discovered, Michael, I think is really where more were your questions going? You know, it wasn't just the financial rewards. It was the the building of of my entrepreneurial spirit. So what, what it gave me was this freedom to understand. Holy crap, man, you could do this. I always had that entrepreneurial spirit in me, but it wasn't even like on the radar to do this as an adult. With an insurance company, are you crazy? This was for like when I was in college with side hustles. Yeah, I had a concert pro- company, a promotion company, and like that. These were John Sarasani side hustles that, yeah, man, you can do that, but like to do it in the real world, competing against people that are smart. I mean, whoa, so so you know, um, you know, I discovered that when maybe I did it firstly for for the you know financial upside. Um, I, I discovered like, okay, you know what, this is me, man. Th- th- this is me. Um, you know, and I, and I think if anyone identifies something in their life, you know, where, gosh, you know, like the examples you just gave a, a hobby or, or, you know, whatever, maybe it's going on finding somebody that you haven't talked to in 20 years and, and getting the courage to, you know, the courage to do that, whatever the case may be, you know, you know, in, instead of why, you know, why not? Why not? Like, like what, what is the downside here? You know what I mean? If you go practice jujitsu or or like I see guys at my gym, Michael, doing Muay Thai, and I'm like, uh, I won't make it through freaking warm up so much. Okay. I'm not flexible enough. But you know what, man? If I wanted to go do freaking Muay Thai, what's the downside? You know what I mean? Like, go try it. It didn't work out. It didn't freaking work out. You know, I I think we live in, um, you know, in a a society right now, at least, that's a lot more welcoming than it was maybe 25 years ago in terms of encouraging people to to, to do things. Um, I have a 14-year-old son, and I had a conversation with him the other day. His, uh, I won't get specific, but there's a a kid that's maybe like, you know, special needs in one of his classes, and um, they asked him to be in his group. Pick, like handpicked my son and another kid to be in his group for um, you know to just include him in the study group because nobody probably would have included the kid or the teacher was worried about that the kid didn't have any friends in the class and I said but you know that's a big compliment Jake and he didn't really understand why that was a compliment and the kind of was asking well what do you mean that's a compliment I go the teacher picked you to that she sees something in you that you would be and he didn't understand it and I said and he's 14 he's not like a little kid he really didn't understand it and I said to him um, you know, cause maybe there's, you know, kids that would have picked on him or made fun of them or whatever, or just not done that. And he goes, dad, it's 2022. Nobody makes fun of kids like that anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I, I'm glad he sees it that way. I don't know if he's a hundred percent accurate or not, but it was kind of like a, a proud moment. I, I, I went from, I went from thinking my son didn't get it to no, I, I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's kind of cool, cool moment, but yeah, that's a long way to answer your question there, buddy.
0: No, that's, that's an interesting thought, man. And I, I think you're right. And we do live in a world that is not only more accommodating, but also when you are in the, and, and I'll say this, cause I think there's a caveat to it. When you are around the right people, they will want you to be successful. Yep. And when I think about my group of friends, my peers, my mentors, people like you where I meet and it's like we're in this same room for a reason, like, dude, I want you to succeed. I want you to have great things. You want that of me. When you're in the wrong scenarios and in the wrong friendships and the wrong communities, people are going to want to pull you down. They're going to want to be like, hey, man, you better not do that. Or, hey, I tried this. It didn't work or this or that. And, and I think that that's one of the really interesting dichotomies of the time that we live because on this one hand, yeah, you for sure have so much opportunity and so much potential in front of you. And on the other hand, it's like, if you are around the wrong people, you will never see it come to fruition because they're always going to be in your ear. And I think the most important thing that you can do is to do it anyway. Right. I mean, what is the worst that could happen? I mean, if you play it through, what's the worst that could happen if you tried to play football, you'll get an injury. What's the worst that could happen if you start a business? You may go bankrupt. What's the worst that could happen if you do whatever? And it's like, but then at some point on the timeline, the worst thing that could happen to you already happened. So you might as well try. Yep. When you think about the future, when you think about your life and, and what is important, what do you think are the, mo- the most life-changing lessons that you've learned in your willingness to bet on yourself?
3: Hmm. Interesting. Um, there's a couple things that come to mind. Really, I had a uh, I had a coach in college that ingrained um, you know, it's it's a little bit cliche, but it resonated with me, and I reflect on it from time to time. He said, "Don't point the finger, point the thumb." And and his point with that, he was talking specifically to me too. <laughs> we had a couple couple uh, let's say episodes of adversity in college. Danny, and uh that's a nice way to put it. And and he said, No, John, you know, it's not like you keep defending yourself. Well, this keeps coming up. At some point, you gotta look in the mirror, start pointing the thumb instead of the point of the finger. You know, you hear this once, you hear it twice. Guess what? You gotta start looking in the mirror at yourself. Um, so I think that was kind of a moment in my life. Where I looked at, hey, just gotta take a bull by the horns here, man. It, it's so easy for all of us, right? It's so easy for all of us to blame our circumstances on other people. It, it, it's it's so easy to be to be pissed at the world, and 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 even on a micro level, like you know, you, you hear stories like yours, Michael, or 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 you hear stories not even nearly as great as yours, but like a story like mine where I'm overcoming. Okay. I thought I was going to play in the NFL. Now I don't Oh, I got to get a job. Okay. That's like a challenging time in your life, but like to do something positive and not blame anyone, like in the smaller facets, the big ones like that. Okay. Let's draw attention to that. But like, I don't know, man, I I don't like being around people that are, are constantly just like, Blaming everyone for their freaking situation. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, I don't freaking like. Well, I was at this party and uh, I freaking spilled wine all over this white couch. Well, they shouldn't have been serving red wine at their party with a white yeah, couch. Many right. people. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> real though, people are not rethinking. Really you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm at a freaking party the other freaking day. It was with my friends. I'm not going to be specific, but it was a surprise, surprise. party, and it's one. <laughs> that it was in their clubhouse instead of at like a bar. Why would they do it here? I "I don't know anybody. Shut up. Shut up. You know what I mean? It's just like, you know, I I try my best to avoid stuff like that. Um, You know, sometimes I'll find myself being in the middle of that too. And I'll I'll try to have that self-awareness. Wait a minute, I'm participating in this. Pull yourself out. (laughs) You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So... That's an interesting point. I I think you're spot on, man, because it's, it's self-accountability. And I I think that's a great lesson to learn, especially young while you're in college, but probably at any time, because there, there is truth. I mean, yeah, man, like life is hard sometimes. Yeah. Like life will kick you while you are down and it will rain on your parade and it will feel insurmountable. Yeah. But what's interesting is like, oh, rewind some scenarios Mm -hmm. or look at what is happening I'll just sit back and I'll pause with it. Right. And I'll just ask myself, what is actually happening right now? Is this as bad as I'm portraying it to be? Did I play a role in this? John, 99% of the time I did. And then, and then what can I do about it? Yeah. What can I do about it? And I think accountability is such an important lesson in life because it, it, pointing the finger is so simple. Right. You move to accountability. Oh, it's your fault that my life is terrible. It's their fault that nothing is working for me. It's everyone else but me. Yeah. But I think that's a, when you get to that place of, wait a second, I play a role in this too. Mm. It's kind of like a baseball bat to the face. Right. Because if you're anything like how I was when I recognized this at 26 years old, I was like, oh, I play a role in my life as well. Yeah.
3: Yep. And I, I got to tell you, man, even to this day, because I'll have peers, bro, that that I came up with in the insurance industry, bringing this back to business a little bit. I'll, I'll, I'll peers that are doing the exact same job that I quit. OK, but, you know, they'll give you kind of that backhanded compliment here and there. You're kind of kind of kind of lucky how that unfolded. congratulations dude! you got so lucky with how that did. And just kind of throwing like a little jab like you didn't No, dude you know what I was pointing the fricking thumb instead of a finger and I was at work till 8 p.m. Oh, we weren't allowed to bring laptops home back then. And you know what I would do? I'd go into the office a Saturday morning and then go back at 4 p.m. on Saturday to check to see if anyone responded to the emails. Cause we wouldn't have blackberries yet. Okay. That's what I was doing. What were you doing? You know what I mean? So like that mindset where, you know, it has a positive connotation too. you know, yeah, get rid of the negativity. But also put it on yourself, okay, what have you been successful with because you've taken the bull by the horns and done this on your own? And, um, you know, it, it, it comes to fruition for me. I don't say it out loud to the people, but I'll have people, like like I just said, you know, give me those kind of backhanded compliments. And it's like, okay, yeah, dude. <laughs> Remember when uh, you were leaving work at 4.30 on Fridays? Yeah, I, I wasn't. I keep that to myself, though.
0: Yeah. There, there is some level to that. You used uh, a phrase stretching yourself a little bit ago yeah. and, and there's truth in that, you know, when I, I think about what, what I see myself accomplish, what our coaching clients and, and our coaching programs accomplish. And it's so many of these people are just willing to go the next level, go the extra mile, do the thing that sucks. Cause like a lot of garbage sucks, man. It sucks to wake up and meditate and journal and to do the somatic things that you need to do to get inside of your body. It sucks to work on programs and events at 10 o'clock at night. But, you know, also at the same time, it's like, what is your goal? What is your perfect? What are you trying to accomplish? When when you look at your life and what is next, one of the things that I think about for myself is like, I know I can't get to where I want to go without mentorship and coaching. Okay. And so I'm curious for you, what role does that play in your life? And is it helping you go to where you believe that you want to go in the future?
3: You know, that's a great question. And it's something I need to explore further, further than, um, you know, I, I have, I, I have not gone that direction at all. I've I've actually gone this other direction where I've, I've asked people to be a mentor. People have asked me to be a mentor for, for them, usually from a business standpoint, um, but uh, I, I haven't leaned on other people. Now what I have done is drawn on experiences that I've, that I've tried to learn from. Um, and I've tried to take it, in, take into account the principles we talked about earlier, like, you know, not, not blaming other people for things happening. And, you know, I'll, I'll give you a, a quick, for instance, all right. Oh, you know, that's my second cousin. Oh, I, we only see them at weddings and funerals and, oh, whatever. Well, have have you invited them to dinner? They haven't invited you to dinner either. Have, well, when when have you invited them? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like take that kind of role. Hey, this is family. This is someone that's important to me. Um, so you know, one of the things that I've started doing in 2022 is on the first of each month, I have a list of of um of um things I want to make sure I can accomplish that month, and some are business related, some are personal related, um, some are health and wellness related. And, um, a couple of them involve reaching out to people that I haven't spoken to in a while, someone that had some kind of significant impact on my life. And it could be a colleague, a business associate. Um, and there's one category another category is family. Um, I keep myself fresh, Michael, in, in those kinds of conversations where, okay, you know what? I do remember now why this guy was such a significant part of my life from 2007 to 2012. Okay. Having this two-hour conversation with him, even though we haven't talked to each other other than LinkedIn and Facebook posts for the last twelve years, you know what? That memory, I remember. Yeah, oh God, that was good. Those experiences were great. Okay, am I still that person? Have I drawn on any of that for you know this next phase of my life that I'm that I'm in right now? Um, so I, I do feel like I have growth from from things like that. Uh, but, but I have not, I have not, uh, prospered at this point from, um, from a coaching or mentorship standpoint.
0: Yeah. But it, it sounds like you have, but maybe not in such a direct way. Right. Yeah. Cause we're always, we're always learning, right. We're always, you know, there in the insurance thing. There must've been people who helped and guided you just in the context of what you were in. Right. <laughs>
3: yeah. Yeah. This is what not to follow me. This is what not to do. That's kind of how yeah. they guided me. But anyway.
0: Well, But still, that plays a huge role because I've seen that in in my own personal life and journey and in the way that I coach people and in the way that we've been able to build Think Unbroken. And it's a lot of that is like I've looked at what I really hate in personal development. Mm. And I said, I'm going to do the opposite of that. I'm going to bring value. We're going to help people. We're going to not charge $10 million for you to come to a program or a course, right? We're going to make it accessible. And so I think there is a, a lot to that, like learning through what other people either don't do or you believe they've done incredibly wrong, which I think is it's just a part of assessing reality, right, and looking at it.
3: You know what's really interesting about you saying that so over the last probably year and a half i, I just started building up my social media following and i put out like business related reels and TikToks, and you know been, and, I, and i've had a number of people just send me messages telling me that i'm different than everyone else doing what they're what i'm doing and everyone kind of just assumes i'm selling some kind of program or whatever and i'm not i'm just genuinely doing this stuff as you know as uh, as information for the masses and i find it entertaining and, and it's fun for for me to do but um you know i i, I think it, and then as i've looked at growing that more seriously and maybe making a business out of it michael um what's the first thing i do start looking at what everyone else is doing the people that are successful in that space is doing when i have people drawn to me already that are liking me because i don't do what everyone else is doing you know what i mean so kind of that conundrum, right?
0: Yeah, no, it is. And I, I think there's, there's some arenas in which you definitely want to model, right? And there's some spaces where you have to be you, you know, and I, I think the personality, especially if we go down the social media path, tends to shine through more because, you know, as so many people are carbon copies of each other, you know, and you look at it, you can see it. And as people become more aware and they really understand how social media works, it it becomes more and more clear to them. At least it comes more and more clear to me where I'm like, oh, this person's putting on a front. They're not really about whatever they're talking about. And I think that just comes with the territory of it all. You know, and I, I think that if you continue to put yourself out there because of what you want, I love that you said that. It's because it's fun and because it's enjoyable because I want to do it. Right. It's like, dude, if we could give people a magic pill to have that experience, my God, how their lives would be different.
3: Right, right, exactly. And I, I think it shines through, right? Like it just people, because you, you see that it's genuine. You see that it's genuine. And uh, so I got that going for me at the moment. What, what I'm going to do with this information, I'm not sure of, but, but uh, I, I can say that I am being sincere in anything I put out there.
0: Yeah. And I, I definitely watch a lot of what you put out there. And I think to myself, man, he's, he's putting out some good stuff. So people should definitely check it out. Jen, my friend, this has been an amazing conversation, brother. Before I ask you my last question, please yep. tell everyone where they can find you.
3: So my podcast webpage and also my book will be coming out 2000%raise.com. But uh, in the meantime, social media, uh, TikTok and Instagram is at John Sarasani. That's C-E-R-A-S-A-N-I.
0: Brilliant, my friend. Of course, we'll put the links in the notes for all of the listeners. My last question for you, my friend, what does it mean to you to be unbroken?
3: here's what I love about that question I've watched your show I know you're going to ask me it and and I still don't have a great answer and the reason I it's not that I don't have an answer it's like I have 50 answers I have 50 great answers you know what I mean that's such a provocative question Michael um, and I love that you end your show with it better than how I end my show asking people what their favorite movie is <laughs> um, what does it mean to me to be unbroken I, I, I would say that um, the overcoming overcoming of of adversity whether big or whether small nothing's ever as bad as it seems usually things aren't as great as they as they seem um, keeping an even keel tomorrow's always always a new day
0: mm, yeah brilliantly said man i i totally agree the meaning we make of our experiences is truly everything thank you so much for being here Unbroken Nation, thank you for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, share, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see ya. Thank you so much for listening to Think Unbroken